Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio, in the morning, you're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, how are you this morning? I am so great. You are so great. I am so, so, so fantastically amazing. And what is the reason for your so fantastically, amazingly greatness this morning? Uh, it's my mum's birthday today. Oh, so big shout, shout out, out to shout Lawson's mum. Yeah, shout out Alicia, my mum. Yeah, she's just living her best life. We we hung out yesterday too, and we're going to hang out today. Nice. And just really looking forward. I just love my mum, dude. So, yeah, shout out my mum. That's awesome. Good for her. That's fantastic. What, how are you doing today? Okay, so I have to tell you about something that happened to me that was right. really kind of um, just awesome. You know how mm-hmm. you know how when you uh, are watching like a, a, a cartoon or something or other, mm-hmm. and you know they might be carrying something or there might be a truckload of something, and they hit a bump or something, and all of the all of the contents just go flying up in the air uh-huh. and then land back down in the uh-huh. right place. Uh-huh. So uh, at the engagement party on the weekend, we were playing a game where we had to make pizzas, and you've got to you've got to run up to the table, grab a tray, run back, put the tray on the on on your on on your chair. Uh, no, uh, yeah, then you run up and you put some, one article on the tray and you've got to run back to the chair and each time you add an article as you're running backwards and forwards, uh-huh, you see. Uh-huh. So I had this tray and it was full of stuff, like, yeah. you know, all of the ingredients for a pizza, all in jars and bottles or whatever it might be, and somebody tried to cheat as they were running past. Yeah, Classic. It could have been producer Shell. <laughs> so they're running past and they've reached out and just gone bang on the bottom of my tray or on the top of the tray, whatever it was. And all of my stuff, as I'm running with this balanced on my hand, just goes way up in the air. And, uh, and my tray sort of goes up in the air, lands back on my hand, and then all the ingredients, which are still moving forward at the same space as I'm running, land back on the tray, and I just kept running like nothing had happened. That is superhuman, Lyle. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> and did you win? Uh, no. Oh, that's... <laughs> what, what kind of ending is that? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so what have we got for positively different news this morning, Lawson? Lyle, it's happening. Oh, it is. It's happening. Guess what got announced last night? I have no idea. The Ford F-150 Lightning. The electric Ford F-150. Is it all electric? All electric Ford F-150, Lyle. Wow! This is this is the change. This is the this is it's happening for the like for those who know nothing about cars. The Ford F one hundred and fifty is by far the most popular car on Ford Earth. has ever created. Ford has ever cre- anyone has ever created. Yes, one of themselves every thirty seconds. Yes, like this is the single in most, America in in the United States. Yes, and America is big enough that it makes it the most popular vehicle mm-hmm. on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why they have to have trucks that are so massive, I will never know. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, th- which is funny. It's like you'd think the most popular car would be this small thing that'd be easy to produce, but no, it's like the biggest thing ever. This massive truck. And having spent time in America, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that I can't get that much bigger a load, more load on the back of an F-150 than I can on the back of my flat tray patrol, which has a four-cylinder diesel and is quite fine to drive. Yeah, well, this would be amazing to drive because it's electric, dude. Yes. It is an electric, like, this is basically... What's it, what's it zero to 100? Oh, uh, 
some ridiculous number. I think they said it was like four seconds or something, which for like a truck is so quick. <laughs> like that's so quick. It also though, like, okay, so it's got like 230 mile range, um, which is like pretty, gonna struggle in Australia. pretty, pretty small. Yeah. You can upgrade it to the 400 mile range model. It would be fine, I think, for the average tradie who's working locally. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 100%. Because you can plug it in on worksite mm-hmm. and you are, you, you know, you'd be fine. But for the big, you know, for a farmer in Australia, that'd be a waste of time. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You'd spend all your time stopped on the Just side of the road. Charging it. Waiting for someone to come and tell you. But the cool, the cool thing about it is that like, so you can, so it's, and this is, the, man, American cars are so cheap. What is this? Yeah, so, like, the, in Australian dollars, the base model of this car is, like, $47,000, which is, uh, sorry, yeah, $47,000, which is, like, heinously cheap, like, compared to, you know, the base model Ford Ranger, like, the petrol Ford Ranger, like, because this car is fully outdecked with, like, a 14-inch screen that you control everything through. Even the base model is, like, fully decked out because it's it's an ele- it's their new electric car. It's their new flagship electric car. And it's, like, 47000 Australian dollars. It's, like, a base model Ranger with canvas seats and, like, you know, yes. really slow and yes. lame. But yeah, American cars are so cheap. What are we doing here? Anyways, uh, basically, yeah. But then you can go the step up, which is like 55000 Australian dollars, where the motor goes for like 400 miles an hour. But furthermore... 400 miles an hour or 400 mile range. 400 mile range. <laughs> Yikes. That Yikes. That would be a quick... <laughs> um, that would be probably the world's quickest F-150. Um, but yeah, essentially like... If you go to like a public EV charging station, you charge it for 10 minutes and it adds like 55 miles. If you, if you charge it for 41 minutes, um, you get 80% battery life back. Yeah. So they are still kind of slow to, to, uh, to fill up. Yeah. And this is the thing that I wonder about the future when we get to, uh, you know, people who envisage a future which is all electric vehicles, how big will the charging stations be? Mm. But I can... At the moment, you you take, what, five minutes to fill up, and if we're all taking, you know, say 30 minutes to fill up, then you're going to have to have uh, charging stations that are at least 10 times the size of what they are at the moment. But this is the thing, is that, like, you have a petrol station at home as well. Is that you're charging the thing? This is at home. very true. This is very true. So, and and, and at your workplace, you know, yeah. most most places. You like know. I just imagine like you'd be saving so much money on petrol. Yeah. And, it's- and it, it'd be it'd be awesome. Uh but yeah, the other cool thing that it's that it does, because one of the big things that we're trying to do with it is like, let's make something that's like self-reliant, this epic self-reliant, rugged vehicle. So basically you can convert it into a big battery. And oh, okay. power basically anything off it. They, so you can plug your house into if there's a if there's a blackout. Yeah, you, you can plug your house, and they say it'll last like the average house will last like three days on a Ford F one fifty charge, like full charge. Three days. Yeah, I know. Which makes me think, like, man, it's got to be like that's a really good that that is a ve- that is very cool right there. Yeah. So you have a blackout. It usually lasts for a couple of hours, right? Maybe yeah. maybe a day, you know, while they're working on the power lines or so forth. Mm. Uh, and you can just plug your car in. You yep. just make sure your car's fully charged. It will last that long. It will last three days. Those engines, those electric motors must uh, be thirsty. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is the thing. Like, it's hard to produce, you know, to to 
use the electricity. Okay, so to I then think this is super cool, and I love when human beings th- do things that are super cool. And I think we should talk about it when human beings do super cool things because this is our future. Uh-huh, 100%. This is this is uh, you know in the new earth in heaven whatnot. We're going to do just amazing and cool <laughs> things. Probably not with uh, you know Ford F trucks and so forth, but we're going to do amazing things. And this yeah, is yeah. just you know when humans do this, we are doing this in mm. the. You know, because we are reflecting the image of God in us. Yeah, 100%. The I reason think we need to, I don't know, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced this is good for the environment. Yeah. Better thing to be for the environment is become a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the reason, like, I love to bring this kind of news up about electric vehicles and stuff is, yeah, because we are stewards of the environment and it's good to see, like, yeah. we have, we have, uh, lithium you know, batteries. Yeah. Mm. But this is the thing, Lyle, that the, these Producing are like. Them. The first steps. Disposing of them. They are the first this steps. Is, this is the first steps of trying to do something somewhere. better. Yes. So Okay, I will accept that. Yes. I will accept we're that. We're seeing something I see something great here. Like if Ford, like a massive motor company is willing to take their most popular car and make it electric. And and, and like the the article that I was reading was saying like if it even captured a quarter of the market that the original F one fifty had has then it's like that is a massive amount. It's like a resounding oh, success. Yes. So this is it so popular be. that means like so much money, which will go to research and development, will come into the electric motor. Um, but are we just swapping, you know, coal and oil for lithium? None of these are renewable resources. Oh, I guess. I guess we'll see. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, well, what's going on? In okay, so there's new, new research that's come out in the UK that has uh, exposed the quiet majority. Oh, And it's, oh, it's interesting to see that the quiet majority actually exists, and I guess uh, we, we all know that the quiet majority exists. Uh, we just never know how big it is because they are bullied and shouted into silence. Mm. Um, and so this uh, new survey has basically been looking at wokeness, uh, looked at issues like bathrooms, uh, puberty blockers for children, climate protests, uh, chest feeding as, a fa- as opposed to breastfeeding, you know, these kinds of issues that are super woke right now. They found that only one, sorry, less than one in five people supported bathrooms, uh, for supported men having access to women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to puberty blockers for children, Less than one in ten people supported that. Mm. And when it came to changing the language from being breastfeeding to chest feeding, which certain government organisations in the UK have done, uh, there was only one, less than one in 20 people in support of that concept. And so the overwhelming support for, uh, for gender ideology uh, sorry, there is n- it, basically what it showed was is that there is no overwhelming support for gender ideology amongst the general public. Wow. In other words, common sense still does actually exist out there, which is really nice to hear about. Mm. The sad thing is that the general public has been bullied into silence. Yeah, which it's like, you know what's so interesting about that? Because we like right now we're seeing like cancel culture play out and if you disagree with these certain ideals, like you can lose your yeah. job and da-da-da. There are people who genuinely do terrible things and people say, oh, it's cancel culture when someone actually just does something bad and gets publicly called out for it. Like, oh, no, like that's 
if something somebody does something bad, they should be called out for 100%. it. 100%. And, and if they lose their employment in the process because they're a bad representation of the company they work for, whatever. But then it's like, you know, people trying to take it f- too far and forcing an issue out of something that really is a non-issue. Like the, And it's clear to see now that, oh, these things that people are getting bullied and slammed for and there's that potential threat of like, oh, man, if this community rises up against me, then I'm going to lose my job. It's like, oh, actually, like, this is very few people and this isn't something that employers or anyone should really worry about. Yeah, so the long and the short of it is that if you are out and about amongst the general public and you want to speak common sense, you can do so because mm. the majority of people are going to support you. Actually speaking. agree with you. Yeah, they're going to actually agree with you. Which, this is like, oh man. We don't have to say silent on this. Yeah, 100%. And you, you can actually speak up and people will be like, yeah, ha. Ah. Relieved. So glad. So glad that somebody spoke some common sense. Okay. So this is this is my next point. Is that it's like it seems like oh, if someone speaks common sense or whatever online, then they're bombarded with hate. But it's like, how many people are actually bombarding them? And this is an interesting thing because you only have to have one super negative comment when you are in the online space to feel deeply hurt in your soul, mm. and it feels like the whole world hates you. Mm. And that one negative comment on your feed can make you feel bad regardless of all of the other positive comments that are there. It takes a fairly thick skin to be able to deal with that kind of thing. I've seen this in the past where, you know, we've been developing resources, you know, evangelistic resources, and we've tested them amongst the, you know, the general public. And you send it out there and you get certain level of response and you get that one person who just goes ballistic over it like, oh, what's this Christian rubbish, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly the whole team's like, oh, we've got to pull the program. We, 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 can't, yeah. we can't do this anymore because one person has objected. Mm. No, one person has objected. We should expect people yeah, to object when we share the gospel because the gospel is going to offend some people. 100%. That's a, well, Jesus was cru- Jesus was crucified for it. <laughs> like, like they hung him on a cross when they heard him like tell them literally the best thing ever. Now, just because some people are going to be offended by the gospel, of course, and we always end up clarifying ourselves, means that does not mean that we go out to offend people. Hundred percent. Mm. Mm. Okay, so moving on from there, uh, let's go to Missouri, where a federal judge has ruled against a Christian college and dictated that they must open their locker rooms, uh, their toilets, their intimate spaces and safe places, uh, and their dormitories to men. Um, this is the College of the Ozarks. Uh, the Department of Housing and Urban, Urban Development made this directive. It's based on a Biden directive that he made um, as uh, one of those things that you... Uh, an executive order, yes, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the year. The college sued, countersued, against the directive based on the First Amendment and religious liberty, and the federal court judge that was uh, an Obama appointee has ruled against them, and now they are in all kinds of trouble. Now, the question that goes through my mind is this. There are a lot of Christian colleges in the U.S. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? You know, I mean, this is against Christian doctrine. It's against the Bible, how many of them are going to fold? How many of them are going to stand firm? How many of them are going to participate in civil disobedience? Why don't they band together and bring a, you know, actually flex a little bit of muscle and bring a class action? Let's see this go through to the Supreme Court and see what can be done there. 
this is an issue that should be made an issue over and should 100%. become an issue for the next election. I mean, you've just seen the research coming out of the UK. It's going to be you – know, the UK is infinitely more secular than the United States. Mm-hmm. And so if this becomes an election issue at the next election, it could easily swing the election uh, next time around. Yeah. Yeah, this is my thought. It's like how democratic is this system when you have laws in place that no one agrees with? An executive order that nobody wants. Exa- yeah, yeah, well. Exactly. You know, and, you know, I even think of our own colleges. What are they going to do? Yeah. I know that, I know my alma mater is never going to bend to this one. I can tell you that right now. They, they close before they bend to this one, but... It- it makes me it makes me think like to to but you know to put it into the Australian context and we look at some of the issues that come up you know whether it be Israel flow and da 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 and I I just like I'd, I'd love to do like this similar research of like oh how many people actually agree with this yeah. obviously we had the plebiscite in 2017 and it came out that uh, what was it like 56 percent of people want, like wanted to legalize gay marriage over you know. 44%. Um, but when it comes to, you know, much more specific issues like these, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, open the plebiscite was the plebiscite was definitely the majority. No question about that. But mm. it wasn't a big majority. Yeah, 100%. Which means that, once again, the quiet, the quiet minority in that case don't have to be afraid of speaking out because there's going to be a lot of people that are actually going to agree. I agree with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, Southern Baptist Convention uh, down by 400,000 members during the pandemic. Oh, wow. So baptisms dropped by 50%, and this, of course, was because of you know, closure of churches, social distancing, all those kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the same figures, so this has mirrored almost exactly what happened in 1918-1990 during the Spanish flu lockdown. Oh, wow. So uh, interesting to see the same thing coming back around again. Uh, the year before, there was only a 9%, there was a 9% decline in baptisms, which kind of mirrors the secularisation of the United States. What's also interesting is that there were a la- there was a number of very large uh, black churches that left during the whole BLM issue, and uh, the Southern Baptist Con- Convention coming out and uh, criticizing uh, critical race theory. Mm. So these were some of the factors that led to this significant decline. Uh, of course, during that same period, uh, the well, our church, the Adventist Church, grew by three point five percent, which has just been. Well, not what it should be, not what it could be, but <laughs> that's a miracle. Right? <laughs> uh, we can we can thank God and praise God for Amen, that. Amen, dude. Um, we're, you know, it's great to see God moving. Hundred percent. Well, it's just a little, a little bit of a brag for us this morning. My church got bigger during COVID. Absolutely, <laughs> I, a whole bunch of people. I was talking to someone over the weekend. His church grew by like two hundred. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And then I've got another name here. I, I'm not sure, like. Oh-holy-ab. No. Uh, oh, Oh-holy-ab. It's not Oh-holy-ab. It's not Oh-holy-ab. I, I was like, is that a mistype or... No, it's not I'm Oh-holy-ab. Just, I am just trying to place Oh-holy-ab. Uh, Dr. Sven Erstring, do you know Oh-holy-ab? Oh-holy-ab. Uh, I, I know the name. I know the name. Yes. And can you tell us about Oh-holy-ab? <laughs> anything, anything about Oh-holy-ab? It's a very interesting name. It's, it's an amazing name. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you can, you can give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or text us at 0491-064-669 and win the book At Jesus' Feet, The Gospel According to Mary Magdalene 
by Doug Batchelor. Just all about this idea of coming and let Jesus, letting Jesus forgive your sins and love you, essentially. Epic stuff. All right. Fantastic. Okay, so one of our listeners that we, well, that I have sort of some semi-regular communication with and mm-hmm. we really appreciate what he has to say because he's just got some really thought-provoking ideas mm-hmm. and we often disagree with each other and that's just fine. Uh, we don't need to always agree, but it's always good to exchange ideas and to understand where other people are coming from. But several, maybe a week or so ago, he sent through a text message. We spoke about a little bit on air at the time. However, I thought, you know what, this is a really good question to discuss here as a part of our breakfast show. We've got our resident expert on apologetics, uh, Dr. Sven Erstring. And so I ran this one past Dr. Sven Erstring. He is joining us this morning. And we thought we, we, we might use it as a jumping off point uh, to make a discussion on the issue of morality. And so if you if you you may remember this text message from when it came through but it says this morality and morals are a social construct. Different cultures have different morals. The word moral is derived from the Latin word meaning custom. So Dr. Van Erstring, where are we going to start with this one? What's it, the etymology of the word moral here? It's a, it's a very, very interesting topic, uh, Lyle, a, and it's really good to be able to be discussing it here today on The Breakfast Show. But, you know, the, the thing is this is I just want to point out something very, very uh, obvious right at the start. Oh, we, we're going to get to it. The, the word moral, um, which we have in English, uh, does come from the Latin word more. Um, so it's not, you know, I want more wheat bigs or I want more, you know, milk or anything like that. A, a more is a, a, a custom or a convention or a thing that you should do. Uh, yes. It's it's yes. a very old-fashioned kind of word in English. You can um, uh, if you read some of the classic books, but of course uh, it comes from the the Latin word uh, for for more, more a, a, custom, a custom, a habit, a, a habit, all of those kind of yes. things. Uh, so so Chris is is definitely right here. Uh, the problem though is, and and I I just need to point it out right at the start is what um, our good listener is uh, referring to, or or appealing to, I should say, is is actually what we'd call an etymological fallacy. Okay. All right. So, so an etymo- I don't think we've had the etymological fallacy here before. Etymological fallacy. It's, it's a great name, just like a holy app, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Say it as fast as you can. <laughs> Say it as fast as you can, as quick as you can, over and over again. Etymological fallacy. So what, what he's uh, doing here is our, is our good listener is making a very a fundamental logical mistake. And that is that the the meaning of the word right now depends on its historical origins. Right. So so etymology is where a word came from, and um, and that's what uh, our listener is referring to, um, which is it came came from a, a Latin word. But the fact is this: what a word means right now, what it means to us, and the the concept behind it. Uh, is not based on on where the word came from, but what it meant in the past. Sure, and 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 you know, being fair to our listener, I think he's making an observation rather than a statement of this is definitely. 
you know, the situation, he's sort of observing, okay, this is where it's come from, and so therefore, you know, down the, down the track, we have this, this thing called morals. We understand that the definition has changed, but, you know, it hasn't changed that much. Yeah. So, so, so the point is this, is, is a word can change its meaning over time. And, and a good example um, related to this whole concept of morality is the word gay. Yes. You know, um, in the, the mid-19th, 20th century, uh, gay really meant happy. So, so you can read books where, you know, a person would say, I'm really gay today. I'm really happy today. Um, whereas, of course, um, today the word gay has a very, very different meaning. Yes. And so if we talk about the LGBTIQ uh, community, um, we're not necessarily that includes all the happy people in the world. Uh, you For can, sure. So, so that's very important. First of all, so the, the real issue that we're talking about here is, is, is morality, our moral values and moral duties, are they subjective or are they objective? Mm. Which means, do we define them? Does culture define them? And we could define them arbitrarily, depending on on our tastes or preferences or any of those kind of things. Or is there something much deeper than that? Is there something which, which applies to you as, as well to me? And that is irrespective of whether I live in China or Italy or Australia or whether I lived in the 21st century or whether I lived in the uh, first century, whether I lived in Rome or Greece or, or wherever. That, that is the real question we so need to are ask. There, are there some issues of morality that are universal throughout all humanity and throughout all time as well yes. yes and and certainly what we can say here is there there are some customs some mores if we use that that latin kind of word some mores which are kind of arbitrary or we just choose i mean the obvious one is which side of the road do you drive on so here in australia we drive on the left which is the right side? It's the right side. <laughs> and if you if you fly to the states, if you can get a uh, government um, permission exemption to do that, they'll be driving on the right side. Which mm. is the right side? Which is the wrong <laughs> side? Which is the wrong side? So, so yeah, so you know. But the thing is, this is if Australia was to to make a law. Uh, a change in the law, shall I say. And at some point, we all switch to the right side, which would be, I reckon it would be utter chaos. For oh, that would be catastrophic. <laughs> catastrophic, yeah. yeah. Just imagine. Imagine what that would do for people who are motorbike riders. In, indeed. Which because way do you, because look? you can kind of orient yourself when you're driving a vehicle by the position of the steering wheel. Uh-huh. You know, when, right, you, when, right. when, you, when you travel to the United States and you're driving on the other side, you're just like, okay, steering wheel to the middle of the road. Okay, passenger to the curb. We got this. But if you're riding a motorbike, it's like, ah. Yeah, no. Nah, you, you'll be right. You'll be right. But the, but the point is this. If we did that, if we were changed, were to change to the right side of the road, uh, would, would that be morally wrong? Would we have uh, made something which is, um, you know, yeah, morally wrong? And no. No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. It might be morally stupid, but it... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not. It's not, it's not mor- morally, wrong. morally wrong. So there, there are some things that we choose in society. You know, whether we put our forks and our knives on the right or left side, whether we drive, whatever. These are simply things which society has chosen, and we follow. They're, they're social mores. Yes. 
But the question is this, is if we dive down deeper, are there things which uh, we get to sort of like the rock bottom or the uh, uh, core which which we cannot change? And I like to think of moral values and duties as like a, a stone fruit, like an apricot or a peach. You know, on the outside, it can be really soft and mushy. Uh, but then as you go down, as you sort of dig down into it, mm. you hit this rock Rock hard stone and it is not going to change at all yes and and what we need to do is we need to think through carefully and and just go through all of those things you know drive on the left side drive on the right side change our forks around use chopsticks you know all of those kind of things and then dive down deeper and say is there anything that if we changed would be truly morally wrong Universally. Universally, no matter what. Across all humans, across all time. Across all time. That's that's the challenge. That is the issue. And if those morals actually exist, and if we are born with those morals, yes. then we have to ask, what is the origin of those morals? Yes. And, and if you cannot change it based on the society or based on your personal preferences, if it's true for all humanity and all f- for all time, then as you say, there's, there's an origin for objective morality which is beyond our human preferences and our society in which we live. So what might be some examples of some, uh, of, of some, some of the hard nut of the peach, mm. so to speak, some moral values that are universal through time and through humanity? One of them would be to, to think of the time of Hitler and Pol Pot and, and think of the things which were happening at that time yes. where you had the, the SS, you know, just going to homes of Jews, of gypsies, of homosexuals as well, just, just rounding them up, putting them on uh, train carriages and taking them off to concentration camps um, and then putting them into gas chambers, um, doing medical experiments on them, pregnant women. And you have to say, is that truly evil? Is it truly morally wrong? A- and, you know, when I think about it, when most people think about it, deep down, we know that was really, really morally wrong. Let's throw Joseph Stalin into the mix as well. We have to yes. leave him out because we were kind of um, embarrassingly allied with him during the Second World War, but uh, it definitely fits in there. Yeah, Mao Zedong in China. Yes. You know, mm. th- there are things which are truly, truly evil. Um, uh, what we aren't aware of often is the SS and Hitler and his, his regime, they were actually involved in spiritualism. Yes. that they, they were literally worshipping evil spirits. They're engaging with evil spirits. Truly, truly, truly wrong. And uh, you have to be morally blind and um, just, you know, have total no sense of morals to say, okay, well, we could change our society and make that right. Yes. That's an interesting example. I think um, if I could toss one out as well, and that is the abuse of children. Mm. Yes. I would argue that the abuse of children has been universally recognised as being morally wrong amongst all humanity over all cultures and that the rescue of children on the, on the flip side or the taking care of children, even those children, especially those children that are not your own, has always universally been seen as a moral good. Mm. Mm. Yes. You know, so when somebody looks after their children well, that's seen as a moral good. When they look after orphans, 
that's seen as being especially a moral good. Yes. I'm just reading the book um, or the biography about George Mueller in Bristol. Yes. And he comes across this little five-year-old girl, Emily, and our hearts go out to, to that situation where he decides to, instead of going to Baghdad uh, to, to work amongst uh, the people there, he stays in Bristol and actually builds these homes for, for orphans. Amazing. Mm. You know, if we really want to be, you know, really dive into it, torturing babies for fun is morally evil. Yes. There is no question. There, there's no, um, there's nothing in that which would say that if our society moved to do that or, you know, to abuse children, then that would be morally right. Now, there's another thing which actually tells us that objective moral values actually exist. Objective moral values and duties actually exist, and that is this, is that we have a genuine sense that we can make moral progress in society. Mm. So at one time, women were not allowed to vote, as were Aboriginals. Um, but the thing is this, is that we have moved to, to women and Aboriginals being able to vote, we, yes. We're giving them equality. And we now, see that as being moral. We see that as being good. Now, is that just an arbitrary change? No, it's not. It's mm. not an arbitrary change. It is a, it's a moral progression from something which was worse to something which is good, which means that, that there is an objective moral standard, an objective moral um, measure for saying this is worse and this is better. And, and for these reasons and a, and, a, and a host of others that we could discuss as well, which go very, very deep, all of these things point to the fact that objective moral values and duties do exist. Now, it is like a peach. It is like an apricot. There are some soft things on the outside. You know, you could talk about customs like driving on the right and left side. That's not really what we're talking about. But at the heart, there is a rock-solid stone, a core, which says, yes, objective moral values do exist. And I would just argue that from an evolutionary perspective... Uh, moral progression makes no sense at all unless it applies to you only as an individual and your ability to pass on your genetic material and also from an evolutionary perspective that uh, it makes no sense to look after orphans. Use your resources to look after, you know... Well, uh, certainly uh, from an evolutionary perspective, you could say, well, you know, it's good for me to protect my clan because yes. my genes kind of, but, but that only applies to your family or maybe to society. It doesn't apply to all humanity for all time. It, it, it does not. Um, and so uh, what that points us towards is that morals do not evolve. Objective morals do not evolve. You can have social customs, yes. like which side you drove, drive on, and they can change over time, but objective moral values are above the evolutionary process. Dr. Sven Erstring, is a fascinating, fascinating discussion to have. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.